The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Millie Court from Essex. Do you know what I'm going to talk about, Kev? Millie Court? Does that name ring a bell? Um, did I used to go to school with her? No, but somebody from your neck of the woods too, from Merthyr Tidfil, Liam Re- Reardon, does that ring a bell? Do you know him? Probably. He has your physique. I'm wondering if you work out together. <laughs> they are the winners of this year's Love Island, Kev. Hey! <laughs> but somebody Merthyr from Merthyr, Merthyr Tidfil, yeah, on the map. Do you watch that? No. They share, I did read about it though, they share £50,000 of prize money for showing the world their innermost moments of intimacy. This morning, our Thomas said, what's Love Island? Yeah. Good for him. (laughs) Said, have you not seen it on Tickety Top? It is the single most annoying, horrible programme. If they, they go on about, like... Have you you watched uh, it then, Kev? You know, the stresses of everyday life and, uh, you know, being the pressures of body perfect and the pressures of you know, of, of just, like, the in, in insecurities of everyday life, and then they go and show trash like that on the television, <laughs> you know, for the sake of numbers. Makes me vomit. <laughs> Don't sit on the fence, Kev, though, will you? <laughs> well, it's just awful, isn't it? You know, you, you've, got, you... you've, got proper, you've got proper people with proper illnesses I, well, and stuff I, like I, that because I, of programmes yeah. like that. It's called light entertainment, Kev. No, uh, it's not. Have you, have, you watched, have you watched it, then? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never... I mean, I've seen trailers for it and everything, but, you know... I tell you what, yeah. I'd rather watch. I am sick to the back teeth of Modern Family now. Yeah. I, I, I once said it was very good, and it is good if you watch it once, but the kids have it on repeatedly, oh. absolutely repeatedly, and I still chuckle at it at points, but oh my word, it's just on constantly, constantly. I'm no, I'm, I'm no educating them in the, in the realms of Miranda. Miranda <laughs> is far more funny and uh, I'm, we're having Miranda on a lot more often when we're eating our dinner now. I, I, can, I can just imagine it. Kids, come sit down sit down with Dad and watch chess for an hour. The Fuji cast. Because, because that's That'd right. be fine. Yeah. <laughs> You'd like that, wouldn't you? Miranda, is Miranda, doesn't Miranda isn't she a bit sweary? Or have I got that wrong? No, uh, no, yeah, I'm, no, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking of I mean, um, Sarah, um, Millican, Sarah Millican. Oh, no, no. Sarah Millican is very sweary. Yeah, she's very funny. Miranda is a little bit rude. Yeah, Yeah, not so much sweary, but a little bit kind of rude. I thought for a minute you were sitting down in front of Sarah Millican for a little bit of adult entertainment each evening with their fish and chips. Um, You and your questions today from our electronic mailbag and, of course, also through the Fujicast. Favourite? Famous? Facebook group, I'll get them all out, that you're welcome to become a part of. Send your mails in through uh, click at fujicast.co.uk. Um, there's Kev's book of the week this week. What have we got, Kev? What tome have you brought in this week? We have got Agua da Oro. Say that again in English. Agua da Oro. Do you know where that is? Agua del Oro. Is that as Brazil? Yes. Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, and, uh, and I think you're going to mention the 60-year-old woman that sort of uh, uh, electrified her career later on in life and has, has made these amazing pictures that are are in this book about li- beach life in Brazil. Sandra Catano Adorno. That's the one, yeah. Indeed. Yes, yes. Oh, fantastic. Well, that's that's the book of the week. Um, and, uh, oh yes, this week we're going to hear from, hear from Pala Schultz who is a genius with a Fujifilm camera. We're doing our our summer revisits of Friends of the Show. Um, Next week, we start with a a new season of interviews. I think we start with a new season of interviews next week, or is it the week after, Kev? Where are we? Are we almost at the end of August? Yeah, next Mm. week will be the 6th of September. Oh, my word. Oh, God, you'll be right in the midst of your your four in a row. 
Mm, I will indeed. Your four <laughs> four weddings yeah. in a row. Where are you travelling mm. for these, by the way? Are they local? I don't. Uh, I'm not sure. Two of them, but one one of them is in central London. And one of them is in Devon. I think the other one is in Buckinghamshire area, and I think the first one is in Gloucestershire. I don't know. I'm trying not to think about it too much. I'm sensing your enthusiasm, Kev. <laughs> it's going to be I know it's going to be hard because you've come back from holiday how did the wedding go by the way oh it was amazing absolutely amazing yeah it was a really really beautiful day yeah really good and then everybody from the village came out and it was it was just yeah really nice really really nice uh, Anna was telling me who uh, photographed the, the wedding and you're, you're going to talk to Anna I think aren't you on the show yeah hopefully at some point Speak. she's ridiculously busy at the moment as Is well she... so we will hopefully get her on yeah. she said that you you drank the village of Malmesbury dry you and your friends that you had to send out for reinforcement in fact the army had to bring the uh, the booze in when when yeah. you when you hear the British Army have been called in, you know there's a problem. We They're, got through quite a lot of uh, of alcohol, but you know it was the first knees up the town's had in a long time. So you know we we invited all of our friends, and they all came. Um, well, apart from the ones that were on holiday and stuff. So it was yeah, it was great. It was really 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 good day. I really enjoyed it. Is it true that the Chinook had to airlift in a crate of uh, Bex? <laughs> So me, me and five of the boys went down the co-op and, and uh, it, like we'd bought so much stuff but the, the, the beer went very quickly um, because it was quite a warm day so yeah. we had to go down um, we traipsed down to the co-op and basically took whatever they had left on the shelves yeah. and, uh, and carried them up the hill back to the hall that we were having the, the wedding in it was a, it was quite a comical moment more expense though did you <laughs> did you manage to clear that lot as well was was, was oh there was nothing left there, literally nothing, nothing left. left it was great timing though because we had to finish it 12 for a mullins gig finish at 12 it well 12 what? in the hall we had to turn the music off we, uh, we went then then went back to the back garden but um yeah we we it all basically ran out at about that time which is great not the wine the wine there was loads of wine left over but the beer went uh, it was a good good night though by the sound of it i was excellent really cool and anna was amazing absolutely amazing yeah it was it was just fun you know it was just a really lovely family celebration day and you know all our friends and stuff and it just kind of felt like god yeah. Yeah, we've all missed doing things like yeah, this, you know, and I know the world's pretty much back to normal, well, you know, in this part of the world anyway. So, yeah, it was it was just like a real fillip of, of goodness for us. A fillip of goodness? Yeah, a fillip. There will be some people thinking, well, I don't quite understand this, Kev married, because, of course, for we've always talked about you being married to the beautiful Gemma, but nobody knew about the third marriage that you were having, to Millie Court from Essex. Um <laughs> <laughs> Only to lose Millie to Merthyr Titfull's Liam Reardon. <laughs> oh, my word. Some things money couldn't buy. <laughs> right, should we go for questions? Who wants to go first? Oh, uh, oh can I go first? Yeah, Sorry. you go first. I, that was a question, but it wasn't really a question. <laughs> uh, it was only because I, I um, we received... Oh, where is it? Um, I even spent a little bit of time this, uh, this morning loading this up so that we could... Uh, Ah, here it is. Right. From um, Richard, we, I think we always get the name wrong because he's now given us phonetic instruction on how to get the name because we've said Vedakind and all sorts of stuff, trying to turn him into a, I don't know, some sort of character off of a, a movie. It's, Wed- it's Wedakind. Right. Kindred. No, A, as in Kindred. Wedakind. Oh. You're, you're messing this up. <laughs> you're not doing this a very good... No wonder his email address, it just says very red. <laughs> <laughs> it's much easier. But he did write, he said, thanks for answering my question again. Hope that doesn't mean I have to buy you two cups of coffee this month. An overlong YouTube conversation between Matt Brandon and Zach Arias. Have you, are you aware of Matt Brandon's channel at all? Yeah. 
Yeah, and and Zach, well, they were talking. Actually, it's a video that was out quite a while ago. They get round to at the end of the show. They're talking about cameras being tools and um, the fact that you you know look after them. And Matt makes a very good um, point actually that he says you know workmen look after their tools, but they don't treat them with kid gloves. They are they are at the end of the day there to to do a job. And then uh, they uh, they get onto the discussion of Mullins. These cameras are sexy. They're beautiful. But they're still a tool, and and so they're gonna get in the dirt with me. They're gonna bounce around yep. in a, you know a bag, get knocked in another camera and some lenses and things, you know. And it's one I last like it when my kids get a little brassing and dinged up. And well, I wish they had yeah. brass on these. That you would know be Kevin really Mullins. Cool. Yeah, man, you should see some of his cameras. Like, there's no paint left on the body. Like. I don't know what the hell he does to his cameras, but he pulls them out, and I'm like, that's been through a war zone. Like, nope, just weddings, which <laughs> similar. That, yeah, so they, they mentioned in the conversation, I don't know where Zach was. He sounds like he was in a cave. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, Zach has noted you do not look after your kit, Mullins. He did. Uh, he did. I, I gave him, handed him my X70 once, yeah. and uh, he was like, what the f***? <laughs> uh, oh yeah. dear right go on then your question from the from the facebook group okay so from the facebook group i will as uh tradition now uh tradition i invented uh complies I'll start from the latest one which was three days ago so come on folks three days not good enough come on keep up um school mark teacher Hall. school teacher mullins yeah mark hall <laughs> says uh do you think there will eventually be an update that will allow us to use the clarity setting without a delay in the future i have a rico gr3 and when using clarity there is no delay i would have to assume the processing power in an x pro 3 is strong uh strong than this pocketable little street shooter yeah. That's a really good question because, uh, as anybody knows that has um, one of the more recent feature film cameras, the clarity setting is uh, is in there now, which is a it's a really nice feature actually. It gives that real bit of punch, you know, if you'd like that that look to your JPEGs. But when you have it switched on, it does slow everything down. It sometimes can take like a, a full second, maybe even more, if you're doing burst shooting. To actually, I don't think you can have clarity in burst mode. But anyway, it, it slows everything right down when it's creating these JPEGs. Yeah. So yeah, my my answer is I. I I have a feeling that that is something they probably could address in firmware. I also think it's probably something that's quite difficult for them to do because I think they would have done it already. So, yeah, I would also like to see that happen. Whether it will or not, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, it it feels like that's a firmware type thing. So fingers crossed for all of us on that, yeah. There's a lot of processing going on when you when you add any sort of uh, contrasty setting or clarity to an image. So it's not surprising, actually. Although Rico obviously have managed to... To, uh, to find a solution for it by the sound of it. Yeah, they have by the same sphere. I mean, obviously, I haven't used that camera, but, you know, the, the thing is, if you, if you, even in Lightroom, if you just suddenly crank the clarity slider right the way to the right just to, you know, just to test it, yeah. it is one of the slower of the features. It is, you know, it's one of the ones that takes time or takes, you know, perceptibly, perceivably a little bit longer than, than just sliding the shadows, for example. So there is obviously something going on, but who knows what and uh, yeah if other yeah. camera manufacturers have done it then then hopefully fujifilm can copy their code <laughs> well um this is probably a good time to say that might be a question you can ask uh, andreas because uh, ask and i'm recording the ask andreas one and um we're going to have that on as soon as it's recorded it could even be next week 
So um, that might be a good question. We, we should announce that the Ask Andreas question thread is open in, in, in Facebook now. You need to get those in quickly. We can't, uh, of course, as always, do them all because otherwise, um, well, going by <laughs> previous threads, we'd be here forever. But, um, but we can certainly choose the pertinent ones, can't we, Kev? Yeah, of course. And, and for those who don't know who Andreas is, he is the, uh, well, he's now, he's, he's, he's been title, promoted. He? Yeah. So I'm not sure. He used to be the marketing manager but for the X series and yeah. GFX. And now I think he's marketing manager for basically everything, including cine lenses yeah. and uh, Instax and all yeah. of that kind of stuff. So yeah, he's he's the man, he's the go-to man to know about the uh, the ins and outs of, uh, of Fujifilm. Whether that's, he's very good technically as well, but obviously he's he'll be able to answer questions specifically about products all kinds of stuff like that so very get, very nice so man. get your questions in um here's one from the howling bassets oh hello both question is there part of the wedding day um from howling uh, a tradition which you wish would just fade away into distant memory like a chocolate fountain he's his signing of the register shot can't stand it pointless archaic quite obviously <laughs> annoying he says I don't know. I mean, it's part of the legal contract, isn't it, between a couple? So, so actually, it's a bit like signing of some sort of um, a- agreement between governments, isn't it? You know, well, it's actually changed now, though. <laughs> I know so it's in, not in the register the anymore. I know it's not the register. It's not. It's just a piece of paper now. Yeah, it's it's changed in the UK because it's all digital. Yeah, so but his, his question came in. Those. Yeah, his question came in on the nineteenth, Kev. So I can only assume he hasn't noticed that that old register has changed into a bit of paper now. Yeah, and so, yeah, that, that whole... I mean, we when we, when Gemma and I did our, our um, thing on uh, two weeks ago, it would have been now, we signed the church register, which is yeah. not the government one, because we'd already done that. And that was and that's more for the, uh, you know, the church records. And that's it, really. There was nothing else, no other reason for that piece of paper. Mind you, yours wasn't uh, a fresh wedding, was it? You're, you're, no, exactly. You're but married. the paper, yeah. when we'd done the legal stuff, yeah. then then that's obviously a legal, that's the government document. They need that. But the, but that's all changed. So now when you go to a church, even if it's a church wedding um, or you go to a, a registry wedding, they, they no longer have that that big book that has no. previous wedding couples right. names and that's all right. that kind of stuff in there it's just a piece of paper which they then you know they, they then type into a word processor somewhere and, and up it goes do you know what they call that piece of paper kev uh what it's called the schedule how romantic how romantic Did you sign the Good schedule God. please could they have made it any less romantic <laughs> the schedule <laughs> do you remember though the the days where oh, of course you do um where the register comes out now in some in London, um, now this of course will will change wherever you are in the world. But um, Kev's describing the UK way of signing this marriage register. In London, they were always reasonably relaxed about si- uh, the signing moment, and you could photograph it. But in other parts of the country, Herefordshire being one, they would they would guard this thing like a kid who was guarding, you know, who doesn't want you to see his work, and you're trying to copy him from the table next door. Don't look at me. Don't copy. They wouldn't let you photograph it, go anywhere near it, would they? They were so so protective about it. It's yeah, a legal document. Well, yeah, it is. But equally, you can see this legal document if you just walk in and ask to see it, including mm. all the names that are opposite it too. Uh, yeah, it's, it was. It it's a very a, weird. It became a thing, really. Weird thing, yeah. And they've already started because I've done well quite a few weddings now since we sort of came out of the the big lockdown. And um, it started again. Oh, you can't can't photograph that while it's going on. Well, why not? Because it, it's a, a, a legal document. Yeah, but, but it is, but it's their legal document. 
So there's nobody else on the other side. I mean, it used to be you can't you can't photograph it because there's people on the other side from the previous wedding. I never see. I always say to them, "Are you okay if I photograph the the sign of the register?" If they say no, I just say okay, and then I just don't. Yeah. I never I never have a conversation with them about it because it's, you know, it's you know the the kind of dullest part of the day maybe in yeah. terms or the ceremony at least I think you know unless you've got a really beautiful backdrop and all the people are standing in an amazing composition or somebody's you know like mum and dad have a great big snog behind them as they <laughs> sign in the, the register it's not it's Love Island Kev pretty dull isn't it though you know well, so I, I, it doesn't I bother know. me if they say no oh, I don't or, sometimes they get they that's the moment where they look at each other and they, they've got this oh we've only gone and done it uh, thing and I always think it's nice to get that moment but but if you've got somebody saying they'll shout not for photograph this then it's a bit harder to be and then you have to do the setup and i much prefer not to do the setup so to ask you know that question can i photograph that natural moment it's much easier prevents that sort of grip and grin well with the setup i always say to them uh, like when they so when the paperwork goes back to the other registrar to do the sign you know and then they're just sat kind of waiting twiddling their thumbs a little bit i i say to them look you know we're not allowed to well, i wasn't allowed to take pictures as you know of you signing it do you want one of those really boring fake stupid setup pictures yeah, they all say no <laughs> no but then <laughs> that's a bit negative don't you think do you uh, want no, one of these some of them say yes and, and in which case I'll, I'll do it but you know it's it's but most of them say nah nah don't worry about it so you don't photograph the register at all because you've told them it's boring <laughs> yeah basically in most oh, cases but you know in some cases they say they want it and that's fine we'll do it but but yeah it, you know it's when the when the registrar start saying you know do you want us to turn them around so everybody's behind them oh, and yeah, then you yeah, can yeah. see them while yeah, they're yeah, fake yeah, signing yeah, the register yeah, and everybody's yeah. sat behind them wondering why they're looking at their backs and i, I just say nah don't no, worry don't you know worry. don't 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 worry unless they really want it sometimes i'll even pass the buck to the register registrar <laughs> and say oh well you can ask them if you want you know <laughs> and then by that time i'm usually at the end of the aisle waiting for them to walk That's down it. the procession you're usually in the pub i'll have one of those please <laughs> i'm not doing that um, but going back to uh, to Howling's question, is there a part of the uh, we sort of got stuck on the register there, really? But is there a part of the tradition you you wish would just fade away into a distant memory, like a chocolate fountain? I mean, <sighs> I don't think people have chocolate fountains anymore, and if they do, they're so eighties. They always have them on Don't Tell the Bride. Do you ever do they? watch that program where the groom gets twenty five grand and he's got to plan the entire wedding in two weeks? Oh, I have watched a few of those. They are quite funny. They are quite funny. And of course, they're never going to show the, the boring couples, but they are. There's always, you, you know, you always get like the bloke is, he always starts out being a complete and utter Twonk. loser, yeah. you know, failure, yeah. laden in debt, you know, like they live in a cardboard box type thing. Oh, what editions have you watched? They, they show him, you know, spending 20 quid on the dress and yet yeah, going on a, you know, a stag weekend to Magaluf or something <laughs> yeah, with his right. mates. And, uh, and the bride spends the entire programme saying how much she hates him now and it's yeah. terrible and, you know, the look at the invites he's presented and all that kind of stuff. And and then usually somewhere in the, in the programme as well, one of the key members of the bride's family says she can't make it, she won't be able to come, so there's tears. And then actually at the wedding itself, which is always really nice, the key member of the family appears from behind a tree and there's screams, howls of excitement, yeah. um, and then she loves him forever and ever and ever until they get divorced a couple of years later. But the the <laughs> it is very very funny. I like that program. It's very yeah, very it funny. Is, it is. Um, but they always have chocolate fountains. They do. Yeah, that's that's true. That's the, normally the gent ordering something like that because he he believes he's seen it somewhere, needs one. But and but it's only they also you, it, never ever show them booking yeah. or researching a photographer. But 
but there's always a photographer there. I know. So I'm guessing that somewhere down the line, there's there's a you know a, re- a research person on that team is ringing okay. up loads of photographers saying, right, do you want to be on this program? You have to do it for free, but you can be on it. And, I'd do and, it. I'd do it just for the fun. I'd love to see one of those shows being done. <laughs> Go on then. What what's a dis- what would you get rid of, Kev? What tradition would you? I, I suppose and not in terms of tradition, but a part of the day which I find sometimes a little bit uh, difficult in terms of things to photograph is that is that long sort of lull between the end of the wedding breakfast and speeches or the banquet as it's called in other countries and the start of the entertainment you know where people go and sit and drink cups of tea if i could that's just, not a tradition though is it's it not that's tradition, just the the, the, the organizing like of the day really feels like it is uh, chair covers a tradition that's not really i wish that would go away i uh actually you know what i quite like the Britishness of British weddings. I yeah. quite like that, you know, the, the 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 structure of them. You know, things like cake cutting and all that kind of stuff. They yeah. they rarely. Sometimes they offer you know good photographic opportunities, but rarely in my books anyway. But actually, you know, they're. I think they're just part of the fabric of a yeah. of a wedding. There isn't anything specifically that every single wedding, you know, like a tr- a tradition, if you like, that makes me think, oh, here we go again. You know, I quite like it. I like I like the traditions. I think. Yeah. I I also like when at the end of every ceremony when the uh, the registrar explains why you know the groom is on the left and you know and then she makes the funny joke about giving the, the certificate to the most important person and, and she gives it to the bride and then the bride doesn't go any pockets and the bride has to give it to her mum and all of that stuff you know that, that always makes me chuckle every time there it's is like watching the, repeats of a TV show there's an unofficial tradition as well Kev I wish they'd get rid of which is uh, why best men with AV shows but that's more of a grumble than a, than a tradition, I suppose. Don't do the AV. Oh, no. Yeah, when you see the projector come out. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> Although, Long haul. I, I, I have seen some very good ones, but you're oh. right. You know you're in for a... You, know, you need to go and charge your batteries a couple of hours beforehand when that when you see a projector in the, in the yeah. dining room. <laughs> I watched Granny at that moment because you just know there's going to be all, all levels of wrongness. Um, coming out in one of those. Well, right. I did a speech on our, our thing, oh, did and you? Um, it was, you call, uh, it was you, you, yeah, you called it thing. Five seconds long. You called it thing, didn't you? You didn't call it wedding. No, because it was lots of things happening. Yeah, I didn't want to call it a wedding because. Right. I, although it was a wedding, I mean, we did, we did, you know, we were, we were married in in the eyes of the church and all that kind of stuff, renewed vows, all that that stuff. But there was all, you know, there was baptism, first holy communion, confirmation. It was all kinds of stuff going on. So I just pared it down and called it the thing. Anna said that you made you, you said thirty. Sorry, I was talking across you. Then I'll get letters about that. Thir- Thirty-five second speech. But she said you did something. You said something really, really wonderful. Um, to Gemma, you made her cry. Yeah, and actually, I can't remember because I oh, never. <laughs> honestly, can't. I, 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 I had no intention of doing a speech, none whatsoever, <laughs> and so I had not even thought about it. And then um, Aggie, bless her, her friend's daughter, she made the most wonderful cake. I mean, like absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So um, Gemma decided we would cut the cake, you know, mostly because you know want to say thanks to her, so we, which we did. And then, and then everybody kind of just stared at us, like it was like we were in a goldfish bowl. All oh, right. Um, and I thought, right, I better say a few words. So my intention was just really to say thank you to Aggie and then everybody else who who kind of thanked us, uh, who helped us. And then I said a couple of other bits and pieces, but I, I honestly, it was literally seconds, and I, I I don't really remember much about what it was. Well, I'm I'm not going to say it. I'm going to let Anna. When you talk to Anna about your wedding day, because um, that's how I heard. Um, I'm sure she'll she'll recount the story. I thought it was really sweet, actually, Kev. Anyway, should no. we move on because it's becoming a wedding special? 
Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> better do a question that's non-wedding related. No, we had a. I think it was Joey. Was it Joey Campagna who said that he'd posted a question on the Patreon page and we hadn't answered it? Was it him? Uh, might have been. Yeah. So I've just gone to the Patreon in the inbox, yeah. and we do we have answered as far as I can tell. We have answered. So uh, as far as the Patreon stuff goes, if you are a patron of the show, thank you very much. Um, and if you ping a message through there, you get what's known as bumps to the front, or Neil Neil Pender's bump to the front. Yeah. And the only one I can see from Joey was from December the 2nd, 2020. So we, we definitely dropped the ball on that one. Oh, um, oh dear. How? Uh, uh, yeah. Do, do, do you want to redo it it's, then? Have you got it there? Yeah, there's two. Go on then. Okay, so the question, there's two from Joey. One of them was from December 2020, which was about my presets. So it's not really a question, yeah. um, more of a comment, which yeah. is nice. And then there's a second one. Again, I think we did answer this because it rings a bell as I'm reading it. So, Joey, maybe you either missed it or, or we never did it. I don't know. But anyway, he says, uh, hello, guys. Love the show. Blah, 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 blah. Just wondering what you think of the big news about Toshi Lida, which is um, the Fujifilm X big boss, yeah. uh, being promoted from Electronic Imaging Optics GM, general manager, to president oh, we did, uh, we of did, we Fujifilm did answer, Europe. We did answer this one. Yeah, we did it, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, I think we, um, were, we were all for it. Yeah, and that's, I mean, to, just to recap, so you know, this is this was Toshihisa is his real name, who um, is was was like the grandfather of the X series. He was the one that really really pushed it. He was the one that believed in it. He was the one that took the project uh, and ran with it. Even you know during those very early days with the X100 and you know the, all of the the kind of issues that came along. He he built a brilliant team and managed to do it. And he got promoted, and it would have been autumn last year to super. Super boss, rather than boss boss, he's now super boss. And so the question from Joey essentially is whether whether that will be a negative impact on the X series or whether it will be a positive thing, yeah. um, because obviously he's moving away from just X series to, to to kind of optics, which includes uh, medical stuff and all that kind of thing. So, so people are um, worried that we, the the X series may may not be such a focus. Yeah, and 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 yeah. Toshi was and is a you know a, a lover of photography. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's a lover of photography and and David Bowie. Um, and yeah, I don't think there's any any issues with that. I mean, we'll we'll see you know over the next kind of twelve months or so as the you know as, as things become released again, which I'm sure will happen as it's you know kind of twelve month cycles that the the investment is carrying on and uh, the good the good uh, the good fairies in Tokyo are peddling just as hard as ever. <laughs> Um, just before we hear from our guest, there was another thing. I know usually you look after the um, the Facebook, but I know you're looking after the question thread. I spotted something in the Fujicast Facebook group about glass or glass if you come from the north. Um, the new photo sharing app open to the public. And, uh, well, Eric was uh, checking in on that one in the group. Um, there's a bunch that have decided to kick the tyres, as he says. I'm wondering what the feedback was. Well, the problem is, though, for you, Kev, I don't know, you've heard of Glass, I'm sure. No. Um, oh, right. Well, it's the, it's, the, it's the new photo sharing app because of all the fuss at the moment about Instagram. There's one called Glass. But you have to be invited. It's iPhone only, not iOS only, but iPhone only. Um, so if you want to view photos on a on a large screen, you're out of luck for the moment. Elegant, minimalistic, perhaps to a fault. Basic features like deleting a photo or comment are not very discoverable. No ads, though. No influencers. I don't know if that's a policy. No influencers. No tickety-tock videos. No rubbish. Hallelujah. 
but what do you think? A, a new photo sharing app, Kev? That's got to be a good thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, 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 I don't, I still don't understand when people say all of the dramas with Instagram. Personally, Instagram hasn't changed for me in forever. Well, you've never um, had the ads. That's, uh, I mean, some somehow Mullin sort of escaped the bullet of ads. I never have an ad. I know, ever. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know you must be the the lack of algorithm. They say is wonderful. Gives all images equal weight in terms of showing up on your timeline. That's okay at the moment because there's not so many people using it. You wait until there's the the trillions of users like Instagram has. Yeah, you know I think we've seen things come and go um, that have been that, that to me that sounds like Flickr, but but on a on an iPhone. We've seen things come and go. Maybe it will stay. Maybe it won't. I don't know. But I'm struggling to figure out where the people who make this app are making their um, money. Well, I'll tell you. $50 annual price is how they're making their money. There you go, then. Yeah. Yeah. So no one's going to use that, then. Do you think? No. That'll that'll be a big no. Yeah. Mm. Why would you? I mean, yes, some people will, but most people won't. Um, I have had an invite, but I, I haven't actually... If it was four ninety nine or something yeah. a year, then that's slightly different. Mm. I think fifty dollars is. I mean, uh, honestly, I, I I will pay for things I think are worth it. I will, you know, in, unless you can see kind of stats and things like that on there. You you know, you, you I, I struggle to see myself. And, and bear in mind, I haven't used it, so I'm only I'm literally basing this entire presumptions on what you what you just told me. I, I'm struggling to see see how that would that that would work. But I, I'm glad I, I will have happily be wrong um it's good to it's always good to get new things in the marketplace for sure but but the instagram stuff a lot of the stuff on instagram is vanity driven and you know if people can't see how many people are, are squealing over their pictures I, I think that that might also be a challenge for well, that, that, photo sharing yeah, apps that's an interesting one because i've noticed uh, a lot of um and quite well established photographers that had reasonably good followings and some that are, are well established photographers that have not very good followings at all they've they've all turned off the um the showing how many people like you know, you can have, you know, and others like. The language has changed, hasn't it? What, on, on Glass? On Instagram. No, on Instagram. Well, I don't think you can, I don't think there's an option for you to switch it off yourself. Ah. They're rolling that out. Instagram are rolling that out. The, the like counts and stuff. Ah, or taking they? them off, switching them off. So how can, Which is a good so, thing as well. So some people have got it and others haven't. I think so, yeah. I think it, or I'm, again, I might be wrong on that, but, right. uh, but certainly it started in Canada. Yeah. And then they rolled it out in, I think, part of the Anzac area. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I still have it on mine, but, you know, more than happy for, for it to go away, the likes thing. But you do still, I think it's important to still be able to see, like as the creator of the picture, how many people look at the picture and where they go and the stats mm. on it. But I don't think it's relevant for other people to, to see the fact that that picture has had a thousand likes or 100 likes yeah. or whatever, because that's a, it's a negative thing yeah. rather than a yeah. positive thing. Because for most people, they will look at it and think, oh, I wish I could get those likes. You know, that's that that's where it's, it's tricky, I think, for me. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think that's a general being rolled out thing. Well, I'm looking at Sean Tucker's one and that just says liked by, there's one name there, and others there's no there's no number anymore maybe there is an option for it maybe, i don't know but but you know i know there was something they were rolling out and Interesting. Uh, yeah if it happens it happens 
Right. Um, oh, Paula Schultz. You know Paula, of course, because you've you've um, you've been on. Have you been on stage with him at the same time? Been at the gigs with yeah, him? Yeah, we've travelled together yeah, places. And he came. He created the uh, with Mindy Tan. He he created that wonderful X Pro Three documentary for Fujifilm. So yes, he spent spent quite a long time yeah. in Malmesbury filming. Came to a wedding with me and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's Superman. He is. He's he's like 150 years old, but looks about 12. <laughs> I don't know what they he's, put in the water where he lives. He's a kung fu expert. I know. He, he can play the guitar like, uh, uh, you know, like Barry Manilow. Does he what? play guitar, Barry Manilow? No, he's a piano, isn't he? Like someone else. <laughs> yeah. He is a he's a multi-talented chap, and uh, we're revisiting uh, the chat we had with him. Uh, uh, we had with him quite some time ago as part of our summer series of, uh, of saying hello to our friends again. Hello, I was speaking to Kevin earlier um, today about us talking, and uh, I know you spent a bit of time together, so... I asked him, I said, Kev, I'm talking to Pala later, and I have to uh, I have to say, for such a, a multi-talented chap, a photographer, a filmmaker, a musician, a martial artist, I said to Kev that, that you seem to play your cards pretty close to your chest. So I asked him for a little background, and Kev said to me, this is all he said to me, he said, oh, you don't need that, you can figure it all out. Just ask him why he only looks like he's 25 when he's much older than us. <laughs> Wow, man, that's, <laughs> wow, okay, holy shit, <laughs> that's amazing. That's, uh, that's, the, wow. that's the worst way I've probably ever started an interview, <laughs> because <laughs> you're actually not that much older than me at all, um, but you do still look like you're only 25. <laughs> so, ah, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> so it's either a really yeah. good skin regime, or there's something in Danish water that you lot are not telling us about. <laughs> I think when I was 25, I looked like a 12 year old. So I'm just a little bit behind. <laughs> ah, well, it's lovely to talk to you. I've I've been I've been talking a bit of late with photographers about the the imagery or the single picture in most cases that that shaped their view of photography. And with you, I'm not so sure it's a still image. But I think it's going to be a film because I read the the piece about Stanley Kubrick that you you watched, two thousand and one, a space odyssey, yeah, and that's what yeah. started it for you. And I, I wonder, yeah. well, I wonder what it was. I mean, it's a film I love. Um, it's a special yeah. event film for me. I can't watch it too many times because it would spoil it. But what is it it's, about it's, that film? It's so slow. And thanks for having me, by the way. Um, yeah, the Stanley Kubrick, um, space odyssey. I saw that one when I was nine years old. Yeah. I was pretty much a loner when I was a kid, so I went to the cinema by myself because none of my friends had any interest in a film like that. But I was just blown away. And it's a long, I mean, a very long movie, and I was there on my own in our very small town's uh, small theatre. Mm. Um, so I was just completely blown away by this imagery and since I was four, I saw the moon landings when I was four years old, and I remember it as it is as if it was yesterday. Really, still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it live. Uh, my parents uh, allowed me to sit up at night and and watch the whole thing. When I saw this movie, it was just like a bit of the same thing, but yeah. taken to the future and just seeing it in an incredible uh, resolution and uh, mm. and this extremely weird story that ends up in this quantum sort of universe that is it just blew my mind and the imagery especially because Kubrick has always been a favorite of mine because he has this um, he has a very particular way of using lenses and uh, widescreen uh, stuff everything is just like still 
within his frames and then stuff moves around as if it was a theatre. He was, of course, an extraordinary powerhouse in, in cinema. And then you've got films like The Shining. Yeah, yeah, The Shining, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because he, I mean, he's, a, he's an inventive man, obviously. And I'm, I'm sure it was The Shining where Steadicam comes from, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think uh, the way that uh, you move a camera, other people obviously saw this thing and wanted to duplicate it and replicate it. Yeah. So he is, I mean, he was a, originally a photographer, yeah. a stills photographer. And you can definitely see it in, in the way he chooses to, to frame his, uh, his settings. Uh, he has a great sense of aesthetic, I think. We stayed oh, in. We stayed in a hotel actually, myself and Kev. Funny enough, in Switzerland just before Corona, and and it was. Um, I, I likened the the corridors within the hotel, um, which was on a beautiful lake, um, very much to the to the shining. Uh, and I said, yeah. all it's going to take is two children to walk along here holding hands, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping into bed with you tonight, Kevin. And yeah, yeah. Uh, but but that that was where he and where he created because he couldn't use a dolly, could he? he? Couldn't use a track rather. That that's where the bed spring, uh, um, um, the bed spring idea came uh, to, to the fore with the yeah. The original. I think it was yeah. in, in the maze yeah. where you follow him through the maze. That's the problem because you couldn't leave tracks. Mm. Uh, and uh, you couldn't lay out tracks because then you would see it in the snow. Yeah. So they had to make some sort of gizmo that could bypass that necess necessity. Yeah. Inside the hotel, of course, it's different. Yeah. Uh, then you can just use wheels. But we, we, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how he, uh, if he used Steadicam for the whole thing. I don't know. We could we could end up talking about uh, Stanley Kubrick for quite a while, so we probably should move on. Yeah, but do yeah. do you think do you think films like this? Um, I'm sure they must have inspired your own videos on, say, YouTube, where 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 again, I, you know, you, it's a quiet approach, um, and you're much more considered than pretty much everybody else I can think of on the platform, bar maybe a few. But is it the inspirations like 2001 in in mind? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's a combination of mindset and also that I like the very visionary slow movies that that takes time to sort of uh, get it in, get the visuals in. Yeah. Um, Blade Runner is one of my favorites, um, 1984, and also the new one I like mm. because they sort of leaped out from the same place. And I I just like to... You know, there's enough that's too fast. I mean, cutting is so fast today, and it's when you see some action movies, just everything is so fast. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure we need fast all the time. So I sort of like just, you know, dwell. And I don't know, it might be because I'm old, but uh, I just like the to sort of have the time to see what's going on in, in the frame. Um so no, I guess that's my I, inspiration. I think it's a pace that that that, that just, it's it's wonderful to watch. We'll get back to your filming soon, but I want to know where photographically it all started for you. How how you knew you were destined to make um, photography your your career? I don't know if I ever knew. Uh, it's more my my whole life has been a long series of coincidences, and uh, I had two interests when I was young. I started. Uh, taking pictures when I was seven years old with a, a box camera. Um, it was an ECFA box five, I think it's called, with the 120 film. All right. And my father was an avid, uh, I mean, he took a lot of pictures of the family. 
And that was sort of a thing in my family. People really remembered to take pictures. So pictures was a natural. Mm. So we were given an old box camera that was like 20 years old when I got in my hands. So I just used it. And then I used whatever fell in my, my hands and learned to develop film. And so at school and... It was just a natural thing I used for other purposes. I, it was not like photography itself. It was just taking pictures for other purposes, for reports and stuff in school as well. And uh, I, then I had an interest in music, a keen interest in music. And I just, I went more along the way of music for many years. And then because a lot of people couldn't, when I when I did some stuff that where we needed pictures, I was the only one who could figure out how to use a camera because I'd done it always. So I just, okay, let me do it then. And uh, it sort of developed from there. And But it's, I think it's about 20 years ago when I went on to the bandwagon of uh, actually taking it a bit more seriously. Mm. And then that's when uh, we started with uh, digital cameras. And I had no problem figuring those out because I knew that it was lighting more than anything else. Mm. So doing all the product photography for where I worked and so was not a problem for me. So I just did it because I was the only one who could, who could figure it out for some reason. You've always yeah. been a, a very multifaceted uh, photographer. You, you, you've not, 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 I mean, you've not necessarily I mean, specialised in one that's area. A nice, that's yeah. a nice way to put it. Yeah. I just thought I had no aim at all. I was <laughs> no, just I, all <laughs> over the place and completely confused. <laughs> no, I'm going to say eclectic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll buy that. <laughs> Yeah, I you know, there's some people who are very, very good at sticking to a certain style. But I've, 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 I've done so very different tasks that needed a certain look for the task itself that I never really got into creating my own look, I think. I think my color grading maybe gave me some sort of a look, but I do so many different things. What I enjoy the most is portrait photography, taking pictures mm. of people, getting really close to them. Mm. And then the rest is more like it sort of happens. But the portrait photography is what drives me the most. Actually, your, your, yeah, your latest, your latest project is um, the, the, um, the, the Strength and Integrity Project. That, yeah, I'm still trying to get that on the roll because yeah. it needs to be printed and put in a book. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's what I need to do. But I have so much... Uh, work that I'm sort of pushing it, but I need to finish that at uh, some point. Mm. You, you talk in your bio about how even banal pictures fascinate you. And of, of course, we're emerging from this, this lockdown in most countries. I'm not quite sure. How stringent have you been in Denmark? Uh, I don't think it's as bad as US and England. Okay. Um, I mean, we could always go out um, and we could more or less visit friends but people here were really careful anyway so we it didn't spread much we have very few incidents of corona it's it's like ridiculously little Mm. so uh, now we are gradually opening up again but of course it it gave us a break to breathe and i think that was actually pretty healthy that we got out of the busy routines and sort of put the pace down to where I am. (laughs) (laughs) It suited you very well. The banality that you talk about, though, you know, the taps tripping, the clocks ticking, those those kind of what what I would, well, now loosely labelling sort of lockdown pictures. What what did you find yourself um, doing and photographing in that time? For me, it was emotion mostly because you can 
become overwhelmed with with loneliness if you don't have a family. And I live by myself, and uh, my son lives in another part of the country. So I was pretty much left on my own. And I mean, I'm I have always been driven by emotion, so I sort of you know connect to what I feel the first that's the first thing. And I pick up the camera and I adjust it to whatever mood I'm in. And that can be sometimes color mm. and sometimes really dark black and white mm. if I'm really moody. And uh, I sort of just try to, you could take the most banal picture in the world and it was still ooze of whatever emotion you had when you took it. Um, so... So that's, that's it. So, so that's interesting. I, I think if I, if I were to look through your portfolio, I'd be able to tell your your mood and 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 where where your mind is by by the color grading and the darkness. Then yeah, yeah, that's pretty much the truth. You're you're very into the formative stages of people's careers. I mean, you you mentioned that you photograph dancers and artists and fighters yeah. even, but but those, those who require a photographic record and don't say have the budget for it. That's yeah. the kind of person you're drawn to. What, what, what inspires you to give your time and expertise to, to uh, those people? Um, I come from the same place. I never have had a lot of money. So when I meet people who have talent but are struggling because of money, I don't think that should be a thing that should hold them back. Mm. So I just step in and say, you know what, I can help you with this part of what you're doing. And then I just do it. And I then I just take the time to do it. And uh, fortunately, most people I've been taking pictures of have a career now. Mm. And the benefit is that later in life, they actually call me again and then actually have a budget. Uh, so it's 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 not just throwing your time out the window. It's mm. it benefits other people's ambitions and their dream. And Sometimes it pays back, mm. you know, the karma carousel yeah. hits you in the, in the back of the head and you actually get something to do. So uh, I, I kind of enjoy, you know, I can't remember the term, I think it's sharing it forwards or giving it forwards. Yeah, yeah pay, 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 is it pay yeah, it pay forwards? forwards. Yeah, 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 that's true, pay it forwards. Because I, th- I think the more you do it, I mean, you shouldn't, I don't do it for people who have money. No. If people have a lot of money, I, I take my price. But if it's people I can that just can't do it, then I'll do it for free. And uh, tomorrow I'm helping a German a young dancer that have nothing. Mm. And uh, she needs f- um, video for her project uh, to be able to get a job. So I'm helping her to get a job. This attention to detail you have as well. Um, changing direction now, which I think your martial arts, because I know you're a martial artist, and and you've mentioned the, the music. It's it's an attention that, that, and I think those two facets really help people um, when, when it comes to attention to detail. Because I think you have to be to be a martial artist and a musician. Um, but but this attention to detail has played into the way you you make your films. And I wanted to talk about your YouTube films. But um, most men, sorry to use a real generalization now. Uh, Palo, but m- most men throw the manuals away, but you d- you don't. What what no. what is it about the detail? I mean, you even call your YouTube videos geeky stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's because that's how my brain works. I'm not made from you know. I'm not built like regular people. I have, I have, uh, f- my brain works in a different way than most people do. Uh, I have a crazy memory. I can remember when I was a baby. Yeah. I can remember since I was uh, a couple of months old, 
uh, and I can remember it more or less linearly. Uh, um, and that's it's kind of it's kind of a weird thing in a big subject. Um, uh, it's sort of like an Asperger's brain mm. that sucks in a lot of information, and it also uh, it's like I can't really not be have it. Um, I can't not have attention to detail. The Palo way of of working to camera, this sort of very gentle one. If you haven't seen one of um, uh, Palo's films, um, you have to. <laughs> we'll put links in, obviously, in the show notes because you have this beautiful way of connecting with a camera. I feel safe when I'm in one of your films. I don't feel that even though I've seen the words geeky stuff, that I'm not going to be able to understand what you're about to say. Um, well, how, how did you come about that that style of filmmaking? Because it's so different to every other uh, tuition kind of tutorial uh, kind of video on, on YouTube, that's for sure. I think it's because I have been teaching a lot uh, since I was very young because I acquired information very quickly and ended up teaching very quickly mm. in everything I did. I did it in martial arts, I've done it in music, you know, and I haven't been taught much music. I at, I, I taught at two uh, conservatories in Denmark, but I never had one hour of lessons myself. <laughs> <clears throat> so, so it's just, I think I understand that most people are not, they don't connect well with, a high a, a high amount of information, mm. especially not things they can't relate to. So I thought it was much better to take the approach of uh, showing how you apply certain routines. Uh, so when you use your your camera, or you use your uh, gadget or, or tool, then I'm just taking the approaches because so so many people sit down and say, okay, these ten things are bad, these ten things are good. You can do this and that, and this is the specs. And why should I do it? Because they do it. Mm. So I should do something different. So I just try to sort of get around how you could apply the use of this camera or whatever tool I'm showing uh, in a in a in a specific setting. And most often, people can relate to relate to it pretty easily. Now, I'm interested as to why you chose Fujifilm, although I think it has something to do with the way you're treated with, uh, with big cameras at, at music festivals. Yeah, I had a Canon before, and I never really connected to the camera. I have never seen so deep levels of menus in a camera. Even I had a problem uh, getting around the whole thing. And then the X100 came in 2011, and I was sick and tired of being pushed into the photo pit with other photographers with yeah. have had these uh, vests on that uh, glows in the in in the light <laughs> yeah. or glows in the dark. And uh, I just I hated being the, that one that had to be pushed in front of the stage and three songs and then out. Yeah. So I chose to go to a big festival when I got the X hundred and had a job taking pictures there. But I just went with the X hundred and one battery. So I had to turn everything off. I only used the optical viewfinder. And then I started taking pictures from the pit. But then some of the musicians noticed me being totally different than the rest of the photographers. And then I was pointed at and asked to come up on stage. So I went up on stage. And from then on, I just went backstage and took a lot of backstage pictures. Oh. And then when I noticed what came out of that camera, because I only shot JPEG, I was just totally blown away by the colors and the quality of this little camera. And p people post for me because this little camera didn't scare anyone. It mm. sort of 
pulled them towards me instead of pushing them away. But whenever they saw one of the Canon photographers with their big lenses, they just turned their back. So I had an advantage because I didn't seem like a photographer. Well, and I'm curious then about your camera bag. Um, I know you love the new X-Pro incarnation in the three. I, I watched the film in that. And I know one of the yeah, things yeah. you particularly like I'm is crazy your, about that camera. Yeah, yeah. Your, your nose doesn't uh, doesn't uh, mess up the screen anymore at the back. back. I thought that was... No, my, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was one thing. Yeah. I, I just thought it was funny because, you know, I'm left-eyed, yeah. so I always smear the display with my nose, and then suddenly I didn't. So yeah. I was like, hey. It's exactly the same great. as me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if I unzipped, if I go to the back of your room now behind you and unzip your kit bag, what, what, what am I going to find in there? You'll find an empty bag because I pack it every time for what I'm doing because oh, okay. I'm as diverse when I do jobs as you have noticed nice. in anything. It can be uh, a couple of days ago I went for doing a couple of interviews with uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu a practice, uh, um, uh, uh, two coaches from for a new club and uh, did some uh, uh, film some practice routines and some interviews and also took some pictures so i brought the xt4 a 35 millimeter for the portraits and i brought uh, a 1655 lens with an nd filter for the video and the new XT- xt4 is you can just switch the knob and then you're good to go in mm-hmm. anything i set that up before i went so i had the settings and um, just had a little rig around it and I could put it in, uh, the, you know, the small Fujifilm Domke bag. Yes, I do. Yeah. It all it all fitted in there. And then I had a bigger Manfrotto bag with a light stand. Uh, I brought a Profoto B1, but I found out that I shouldn't because it has a it has a fan inside, so it makes noise when yeah. it starts to get warm. So. Uh, you know, lights with fans in them are not no, good for video, no, I figured no, out. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, no. Coming back, back to the filming then, um, and I'm talking about your Talking Heads pieces again, uh, which, as I've said, are wonderfully simple. Um, uh, what about, what is the Schultz setup? I mean, your skin tones are warm, it's beautifully lit. Is it 4K or what? What? what is your, I've, I've yeah, often I, said I, the Kev, I, I wonder what... I try to uh, improve it a little bit. Right all the time i'm just you know taking a step up every time i do it to sort of have some sort of development in the look Uh, but i use two uh, led lights called uh, falcon eyes uh, a small one and a big one just to for my face and then i basically just go back in the room and turn on the regular indoor lights because they are very warm uh, in comparison to uh, daylight uh, LED. And uh, the last video that hasn't come out yet, uh, I, for the first time, used a blue uh, LED light to light up part of the background to uh, have separation. And that looked really good. Well, it's it's nice to see you back on YouTube because I know for a while you had other projects that took you away. So we'll make sure we, we pop up some links for your channel, your work and your projects, and, of course, your Instagram account, which is where you keep folks up to date with what you're doing, which is at Palaschultz, at Palaschultz. And actually, on that note, and to bring things full circle, do you think Stanley Kubrick, with all his creativity, would have had uh, an Instagram account? I think he would have had a a manager take care of it, but I think he would have. (laughs) I think think he would have people to do it for him. I think he had had such a strong vision of what he was doing and was so focused on what he was doing that I don't think he would have much time, but I think he would appreciate the medium. I, I'm pretty sure of it. With his inventiveness, I bet he'd have done something different. Probably, but I don't think he would put much of his mind into it because film was his thing. Yeah. And he would probably just 
continued making amazing movies yeah. uh, because all his movies for me is an artwork in itself. I mean, some of even The Shining have taken a pounding from some critics, but still to this day, I think it's as a horror movie is one that really have you know it's it's very special and the way it scares people was a new way to scare people. So mm. he, he definitely, he definitely <laughs> had a vision for what he wanted. I tried, so. I tried to talk Kev into it. I said, Kev, you got this wonderful new project of your house. I gave the Shining was on the list. He said, I'm not watching the Shining. So, <laughs> so but I tell you what, though, the Shining, Clockwork Orange, and uh, 2001. If I had to, if I had, uh, you know, on one hand, if I thought uh, the late, what I call the late night Friday with a with a tipple of something slightly stronger than a cup of tea, then I, I think those three films would be on yeah. there. I'm not sure what the other two. Would would be but those those three probably definitely the shining without a doubt yeah i think a full metal jacket for me is one of oh, the yeah, of course the most yes. iconic yes. because the the acting in that film is just spectacular and our thanks to Palace schultz for his time would love to have him back on the show sometime soon to talk more about his grading since i think his pictures his stills now that is because as you heard he loves portrait work his uh, his stills his grading in his stills is is quite something else Plus, um, really, there are so many other projects we should uh, we should discuss. Back to your questions in a moment. Over on my other little podcast this week, the Photography Daily Flavoured One, there is, of course, the, uh, the new Friday Photo Walk Show, which this week features the start of our new 365 series. We are unashamedly starting just over halfway, well, over halfway through a year, but who cares? But also, it's a bonus week this week, because uh, bonus episode week, because on Wednesday we have an interview-only show featuring Nikki Heppenstall, co-founder of Remember My Baby, a registered charity created to provide portraiture to bereaved parents in hospitals on a voluntary basis, free of charge. It's a moving story, but equally an appeal to you as a, a photographer to see how you may feel about making pictures that are precious to parents in their their hour of real need. It's quite an emotional one at times, but also it's a very positive photographic chat about just how much our skills can help others. That's on Wednesday. Photography Daily is on all your favourite podcast apps. Right, back to the questions. Kev, you're going first. Okay, so this next one is from Mia Masters, and she says, I was intrigued by your mention of the very expensive but dashing leather dual camera strap. Recently, I have spent some time watching reviews and concluded that it's the best thing since sliced bread. You clearly had different views on it. Is this from experience? Can you elaborate on this further? Cheers. I don't remember us being that, that damning about that camera strap. Well, I think you'll find really what she should have said is, recently I've spent some time watching reviews and concluded that is the best thing since sliced bread. Right. Neil clearly had a different view on it. Did I? <laughs> what? Yeah, you were quite. You, you were going on about how it's bad for your back and all like on your hips and things like that, I think. Oh, um, that? Oh, sorry, yeah. No, I apologise. I was thinking about an entirely different kind of camera strap. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, I, also, yeah. I also chimed in and said yeah, that yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not a favourite of mine. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mir's um, right. Lots of people do use them. I just personally, if you're thinking of it as a as a fashion accessory, then it's the wrong approach. 
Um, if it works for you, for your the ergonomics of shooting, absolutely go for it. Um, I tried one once and I found it very, very difficult to use. So, um, but I didn't give it much time. I only gave it one one job. So, yeah, I mean, people, lots of people do use them. They are expensive, but but I presume that they they last a long time and everything like that. Have you actually ever used them? I did. Yeah, I, I've I've used it a couple of times. I just didn't get on with it. And my my observations of it. Uh, were were based on watching other people using them and the the, the albeit short experience time that I've had with them that you you just walk in a weird way because you're stopping these things flapping around. I, I maybe we had them. Maybe we didn't have them primed correctly. I, I, but yeah, but I've watched other people use them and it's almost. Um, have you ever heard of the steady cam walk? Yeah, is is like that. It's a cam- that's what I was thinking. It's like a cowboy walk. You yeah. have to have your arms <laughs> down a little bit further away from you. It does look like you're about to draw a gun. <laughs> yeah, but so you walk along. You're trying sort of not to be too bouncy in your walk. So you've yeah. got this kind of like they call it the steady cam walk, don't they? Because when when you're uh, any sort of gimbal or steady steady cam or gimbal, the idea is the this idea with a gimbal, for example, that you can just go marching forward with abandon is is nonsense because you do have to temper the movement that your that your your natural spring uh, will take you into sort of yeah. flatten that spring a bit and that's yeah. that's what i see when people are using those uh, those crossover camera straps where where it's screwed into the the bottom um, screw thread in the camera itself and and not the eyelets on the side is is that people walk in this kind of steady cam fashion that sort of tempered bounce yeah i uh, the, the steady cam walk always makes me think of llamas they look like llamas when they're, they're kind of <laughs> prancing forwards but the the um yeah those crossover camera straps i mean you know let's face it both you and i've used them maybe once so we're probably not the best people to uh you, yeah. to give a, a, a you know proper a, a, a appraisal of but yeah. yeah i they're not for me but i lots of people do use them and yeah. uh you know if they are working for them then so be it um here's one from adrian jap and i know that to be true because he said not with a silent j because as we all know, Kev, silent letters are... A waste of space and kill trees. <laughs> Hi, gents. Still very much enjoying the podcast. Um, you're, you're both doing a great job. Well, thank you. Um, I have a question about Lightroom and your use of previews. Of course, there's an option of generating standard previews and smart previews. Smart previews in brackets obviously really useful if you want to take your library on the go without the originals. Smart previews obviously take less disk space... And standard previews, conversely, a lot more disk space. So far, so good. But with an option of deleting them after a set period of time, clearly to save said disk space. With a large library, using my Lightroom database and previews on an internal fast SSD, it's chomping up storage. And I'm just looking at rationalising space. With over 140,000 images, film and digital, you can see how much space can be eaten with previews. You certainly can. My originals aren't an issue as they're stored, backed up locally and online. So how do you use your Lightroom previews for maximum efficiency whilst working and to balance storage, Kev? So what I do is I always build one-to-one previews when I'm working. Um, And then when I finish the job and I'm archiving it all off, I just delete the preview folder just delete it yeah um i don't i don't i don't rely on the automatic deletion in lightroom because you if you um you know you need to load lightroom up for it to delete it and all that kind of stuff so i i just delete them just delete the folders and also even if you delete them and then you think oh i've got to go in and do some more work it just rebuilds them so they are they are 
perfectly transient files. They can be deleted and removed and whatever. You do not need to back those up. Um, you know, it's the whole point of an archive is that it's, it, you know, you're going to call it back in, in a couple of years' time if you need to. So you do not need to, to be storing all those, those temporary preview files. Just delete them. I'm trying to find this question that would have been a perfect backup to this. Or perfect second part. There's um, there was a question. Oh, where's it gone? There was a question about. Um, I'll ask it and I'll f find your name later. Um, about when you're building um, further images into a Lightroom catalog, that the uh, the catalog will see the new images, but it it doesn't see the old images. Am I making sense there? You know, when if if you've got a constant um, if you've got a, a constant catalog on the say you've got holiday pictures, Kev. Mm. and you just collect up your holiday pictures through the year because you're lucky enough to go on three or four holidays a year. Obviously mm -hmm. local these days with uh, lockdowns. But staycations. Staycations, yeah. If you're continually adding, coming back and adding pictures into a library, how do you manage to see all the images that were before it as well? Because it, it sort of just builds the new library. I mean, that that's that's catalogue management, that is. So, you know, most people, if you've got a, a personal library, I have a personal library of all my kind of personal stuff that goes back to 2005, actually before that, because I managed to get loads of old phone photos and stuff. Wow. Um, so I just have it organized by year. So, you know, obviously 2021. And then, uh, for example, Brighton, we went to Brighton for a week and that will be in 07. July, uh, sorry, 08. August. Um, and then under there will be another folder that just says Brighton and all the pictures go in there. Spanish yeah. folder was a bit empty this year then. <laughs> Spain folder, yeah, I didn't even bother adding that this year. All last year. <laughs> oh, dear Kev. You'll be out there again soon. Mm. Right, shall we go for um, our book of the week? Oh, this would be nice, wouldn't it? We're off to Brazil. That would be lovely. Yeah, so this is this is a really nice book, actually. Uh, and I'll, I'll read out the blur because it, it, it makes it a lot easier. So uh, Sandra Catano, uh, um, it, this is uh, a hymn to Rio de Janeiro's glowing light printed in luminous golden ink. Um, and it says, printed in gold metallic four colour. Aguas de Oro, I probably got the name of the beach wrong, celebrates the golden light of Rio de Janeiro through images that combine moments of street photography with abstract lyrical compositions. It's the second book from photographer Sandra Catano Adorno, who started photogra uh, photographing six years ago at the age of 60. Um, after the other half of the sky, which is the other book, which portrayed women in the streets of several countries, she dedicates this last monograph to the beauty of Brazilian streets, beaches and people. Yeah. Um, and then it's, it goes on to say that these beguiling moments or images not only capture people and moments with visual maturity and acuity, but also evoke something quintessential about the city, something a little darker, the bittersweet yearning that Brazilians call Sade, uh, which hints at other levels of reality. Yeah, and it is a really beautiful book it's a nice kind of medium-sized hardback um but that that gold metallic four color printing really really stands out um it's unusual it's uh you, you know it's 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 one of those books that are um uh, just different you know it's it's different you're these these pictures in this book are very some of them are very very abstract um, to the point where you you sometimes you're you're twisting the page to try and get the perspective right, mm. and then it suddenly hits you and you think, wow, yeah, that's really really clever. Mm. Um, a lot of silhouette work going on. Um, a lot of the stuff is on the beach. A lot of kind of slow shutter stuff as well, and and potentially even 
um, dual images. I'm not not 100% sure whether they're just slow shutter or dual images. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's beautiful, and you really do get this idea of, uh, you know, being on the beach and being in, in Brazil. And you see, you, you see an element of um, poverty, but not in a grotesque way. But mostly, you you get an element of people just enjoying their their environment and what's what's on their doorsteps. Um, you know, I love. There's some beautiful images, full page spreads of uh, you know people in dusk, probably where the light is shimmering on the beach. The water, the waves are coming in. Uh, you have all of these shapes, these people splashing away in the sea, um, and then in the background you have all of the massive kind of buildings that are crammed right up to the beachfront. Um, and it's yeah, it's a, it's a really really beautiful book. The only thing I would say again is um, you know there are some images that probably are unavoidably split right across the page and some of the um the, the key parts of the elements are then kind of hidden in the spine if you like but with time when you're looking through the book that will that will kind of flatten itself out but they're really really kind of they're they're intimate without giving away any of the subjects personalities or any of the subjects identities you know they're, they're, like i say there's a there's a certain time of the day that she's chosen to shoot for that purposefully yeah. um she's getting really quite close to some of the people and making these these beautiful kind of large frame filling silhouette images of people splashing through the sea and you know and then yeah you, you have single kind of images then or subtle more subtle images um people standing on the dunes you know and and you can see in this particular one image i'm looking at um there's a girl stood on the dunes she's walking i think you can see the the, the flora and the, the the kind of flowers and everything popping up and behind it again is the is is, is the, the night of the the city behind it if you like uh, glistening yeah really really beautifully printed it's one of those books that again you 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 kind of want to pick up and smell you know it's it's got a, a tangible <laughs> smell uh, uh, yeah it's 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 just really lovely and and you know i have to say that when i first kind of looked at this book i was initially i thought oh hang on this is you know the the the, the printing doesn't look quite right but then you obviously understand and read about the reason behind this and and the way that she shot this purposely in this style and it really grows on you and yeah i think you know one of these it's one of those books that it's something that you're you're not necessarily going to take this out just before you go street shooting as uh, inspiration but this is more i would class this more in the in the the fine art category of my ah, bookshelf right you'd kind of pull it out and and just admire the images really and there's a sense there's a real sense of of wanting to know you know we we talk a lot on the show about hiding the identities of people in street photography and the rights and the wrongs of that and you know the the, the local restrictions and various things like that but there's a sense of wanting to know a little bit more about the people especially the the kind of frame filling silhouettes of the kids splashing away in the in the the, the shallows of the water but actually that's the beauty of it as well you know there's the that the fact that you're left thinking i wonder what that little boy did next you know i wonder whether he's got you know a nice home to go to or whether he has to go and live in a cardboard box you know there's that leaves you asking questions and if you're asking questions that's a that's a good thing so yeah overall a really really beautiful book very incredibly well printed Mm. incredibly well printed it's one of the ones that you want to look after it if you get this it's not it's 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 on it's only just about it's only just being released now and i think it's going to be around about 50 us dollars so it's you know it's not an it's not a expensive book but certainly one that I would class as, uh, you know, one that I would want to, uh, to look after. I'm I'm not, cer- I'm, I'm, my cameras. I'm certainly, yeah, I'm certainly intrigued by her because um, she's been a success slightly later in life with her 
with her photography. I love stories like that. Yeah, indeed. She is wonderful. I mean, 60 years old, just, you know, which is only six. So she's 66 now, yep. 60 years old, um, you know, picks up a camera and off she goes. And it's not like she's just, uh, you know, picked up a camera and loads of people have told her the pictures are good. The pictures are amazing. Yeah. You know, like this is, you know, some people have talent that, that is just unrealized. And, yeah. and she has that absolutely amazing. Yeah. Right, we'll we'll leave the link, of course, in the uh, the show notes so that you can uh, you can order for yourself. Back to questions, Reese Robinson, Kevin, Neil, great job with the show. I stumbled into your podcast last month because of something you were discussing in episode one eight nine. What were we discussing in episode one eight nine, Kev? I don't even know what episode we're on now. Since uh, nearly two hundred now, n- well, nearly it's uh, one nine. What are we one nine six now? Oh, we're getting so close, Kev. Um, since then, I've listened to all the new stuff and started working my way back. Um, having just listened to one eight two, having listened to ten podcasts in less than a month. I figured I needed to become a patron. <laughs> Reese, that's very kind of you. Uh, I came for the Fuji stuff, stayed around for all the other nonsense. I've also noticed that way too much of my entertainment is coming from the British Isles, but rest assured, you are my midsummer murders of the podcast world. Not sure which of you's DCI Barnaby and which one's DS Troy. I, I don't watch it as much as you. Uh, Troy uh, Troy was played by Nettles, wasn't he? Or was Barnaby? No, Barnaby Nettles? was Barnaby ah, was played by the Saint. Yeah, yes. Nettles. I want to be Nettles. Oh, yeah, I, want to be I think Nettles. you'd be better at him. Yeah, and <laughs> Troy, 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 the original Troy was a, a young, good-looking, suave Welsh lad. So <laughs> that's I'll, you. Be that's you. Yeah. <laughs> In any case, he says I have two questions. Uh, one, now that Fuji has opened up the X-mount to, uh, to, to third-party lens manufacturers, are there any lenses you would particularly like to see developed for the system, and why? I personally pre-ordered the uh, Casino Voigtlander Nocturne 35mm 1.2. They can't fit that whole trade name around a lens, certainly. <laughs> I don't know. What, what, uh, what focal length would you, uh, would you be keen? Well, and it's not so find. much for me, because I feel like I've got everything covered. I just yeah. uh, yesterday, in fact, ordered the, the 18mm 1.4. Ooh. I've been waiting for it to come back into stock. Yeah. Um, but not so much for me. I would say more for other people, and that would be a tilt-shift, set of tilt-shift oh, lenses. Yes. I think yeah. I think that's yeah. that's the missing link, you know, especially for the GFX range. Get architectural photographers on those sensors with some really, really cool tilt-shift yeah. technology. You're going to see a lot of architectural photographers and inter- interior photographers using that. I think that's that's the thing that's missing right now. It's interesting how many photographers are still not necessarily aware of the GFX. I was talking to, to one the other day. Name, name will, photographer will remain nameless for the moment. Re- reasonably um, well-heeled. He was saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm really keen on looking at um, uh, medium format stuff. And I mentioned the GFX, and he said, oh, don't know anything about that what's what's gfx and i thought oh it's intriguing well yeah i mean that's the same problem that the original x series had wasn't it you know when fujifilm brought out the x series people were like well it's not nikon or canon is it so it can't be any good and you know it, it took them a while to kind of get over that hurdle you know i know for a fact the the gfx especially the um the 100s you know and the and the the, the 50 are flying off the shelves i mean they they yeah. they're doing really really well with those yeah. um because they are they're huge sensors and they're relatively cheap you know for the technology compared to other medium format systems out there and of course we probably will get the email saying it's not technically medium format and uh, you know it's and it's not they're right um let's just call it a large large sensor system large sensor yeah 
it'd be a no-brainer for me if I was... Uh, I mean, I have the original GFX 100, you know, which was very, very expensive for me. But if your uh, medium format shooter is used to spending 30, 40 grand on, on systems, then it, mm. it would be insane not to not to look at it. You know, whether you invest in it or not, it's a different question, but insane not to look at it. So tilt shift on the en- end of that. Yeah, tilt shift on the end of a GFX 100 mm. or 100 megapixel sensor. Oof, imagine all those interiors and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, you know, I, I don't. A, I don't know why Fujifilm haven't done that for a start, and and B, that's that's. If I was a third-party lens manufacturer, I, that's what I'd be aiming at. I think. Quick, somebody put that in the Ask Andreas question thread. Mm. Um, second question, which is nothing to do with photography, based on episode one ninety, I was able to track down some Brewdog Hazy Jane in my area. Nice, little, nice little beer. Being from Delaware and the home of the world-renowned Dogfish Head Brewery. Mm. I was wondering, are there any, any American craft ales that you've taken a fancy to? Well, this question is certainly one that I'll bat to Kev because um, you're the craft ale man. Well, no, funny enough, that dogfish, I've had some of that because my my auntie and my uncle, well, before he passed away, um, lived in Delaware. They lived in Boozwin, I think. Boozwin? Um, Boozwin. Boozwin. Which right. It might actually just be over the border in Pennsylvania, but okay. we ended, we always kind of travelled into Delaware for, for our like meals and stuff. Very nice, yeah. I like Goose IPA, yeah. like that. You travelled across county borders or state borders to to have a meal. What? <laughs> yeah, because they lived right on the they lived right on the Pennsylvania Delaware border. Like one side of the street was in right. Delaware, the other side was in Pennsylvania. Oh, literally um, that close. So the, oh, okay. the the name of the town was called Boozwin. I'm just going to have a quick look now to see because that's Boozwin. Brought back some memories for you, Kev. Delaware. Yeah. I thought I for a minute you were going to say we, we, had, we went to cross the street, so we avoided the prohibition. Uh, okay, so actually it says here, Boothwin is a census-designated place in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. Yeah, maybe not the state, but there you go. Anyway, it was very close. We did go there. So, um, yeah, Goose IPA, though. I remember I remember one, one of my trips to New York, you know, when you're there doing workshops or whatever, and yeah. you, you're by yourself in the evenings, and you just go and find a, a bar, and it always freaks me out that that y- y- I did what they always did in Cheers. I just put a dollar down every drink I had, which would, would be their tip, mm. you know, and then they just keep giving you drinks, and then at the end you pay for it, and you give them the tip. And I remember having Goose IPA over there, and you could get it over here, you know, it's quite a popular drink. And it's one of those ones that I had maybe two or three and all my neck went red. What? And my my face got hot. So there's some kind of it's probably probably some fruit or something in there because I sometimes if I have certain apples and things like that, my head goes bright red. Does it? <laughs> oh, weird. I've never seen that, Kev. Because yeah, I avoid those apples. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Right. Thank you, Reese, for that. Your your question, Kev, from the from the Facebook group. Okay, so this is from uh, Hubert Cole. He says, uh, flash off-camera at event stroke weddings. Uh, carry Discuss. a light stand, use bracket on camera, holding one hand. If yeah. yes, how to balance and keep the camera steady. I'm assuming using a wireless trigger in all methods, some type of modifier. Personally, have used on camera with a small modifier type strap on and a flip bounce card, which seems to work if I get close enough. Your thoughts, suggestions for what it's worth. My Fujifilm <laughs> cameras are X100F, X-T2, X-T3, and a Godox 350 stroke 685. Well, if I use flash, um, then it's it's always the flash the flash gun is always in my uh, my left hand and the camera's in my right hand. I've, I've never really done a lot of stuff. Um, I know the Godox systems are very good for, for being able to trigger a uh, remote flash, but I, I've, I've never really worked that way. Yeah, I mean, 
just just reading that question brought me in in kind of shivers. Have you got a red face? <laughs> <laughs> Carry a light stand. Use a bracket on the camera. Yeah. Holding one hand. Yeah. How do you balance it? Yeah. Do you use a wireless trigger? Some type of modifier. <laughs> uh, modifier strap on flip bounce card. <sighs> yeah, all of that. And and I, I'm not dissing people who do that because some of the guys that, that do it make amazing especially the kind of party pictures i do yeah. do kind of wish that sometimes i i could kind of get into that but but i don't i just don't i just don't i have a um a little led light that i'll hold in my left hand same as you and, and angle it if necessary um but yeah i don't really don't really use flash like that at all i That's don't that. think about yeah. modifiers and flip cards and whatever they call them i certainly don't use modifiers but i've started getting in uh, um, quite close in terms of uh, the party shots with a flash left hand flash bangs or slow shutters dragging the shutter which i know is an old is, is a is a kind of like um old tried and tested method but but it it, it works and i quite like the reactions and the uh, that you can get from getting in really close when people are dancing mm. and that that for me is that's a great time for using flash because at that point, nobody cares really that if you're a bit invasive, um, invasive, uh, obtrusive, invasive is entirely the wrong word. Because um, they're dancing, they're having fun, they're drunk. That's yeah, the time absolutely. I use if it. it's the right party and yeah. you know the dance floor is is busy and there's enough space, then I'll, I'll definitely get in close as well. Um, but yeah, I, it has to be the right right kind of event. You know, yeah. it's not always always like that, is it? Sometimes it's too busy. You know, it's just like everybody jumps on the dance floor and there's no space whatsoever. No. That and then bit, you just, yeah. you're just kind of feeding off the edges. But, uh, yeah, getting close if you can, for sure. Yeah, if you feed off the edges, you never get what's really going on in, in the centre. And I, I have to say, I mean, this is a t an entirely different subject now. I've been talking a bit about this on my other little podcast. But um, this the, the the new age that we live in, Kev, how are you gonna, you've got these four in a row coming up, which by the time we talk to you on the... On the next, or the one afterwards, that uh, we'll, we'll know how that uh, <laughs> how your limbs are feeling. But how are you feeling with regard to to COVID safety with that? Because uh, my wedding at the weekend was two hundred and seventy people. Now, two hundred and seventy people were not on the dance floor. This is a couple of weekends ago, actually. Mm. But I, I and I, I just thought, well, you know, COVID's in there somewhere. I just hope it's not where I'm going with my flash. Yeah, I think uh, honestly, now I'm at the point where. I mean, I'll wear a mask as and when I feel it's appropriate, um, that's for sure. And I would probably still wear a mask, certainly for if I'm going in on dance floor, that type of thing. But let's be on, let's be truthful about this. Even if you're wearing a mask and you're on the dance floor, you know, and somebody has it and they sneeze, it's going to be on your cameras, you're pressing the buttons with your fingers, all that kind of stuff. The mask isn't particularly going to be useful there, is it? Um, but yeah, I mean... You know, without kind of speaking too much about it, you know, we're, we're now 30 times more cases than we were this time last year in the UK, and, yeah. and it's everything's back open. So it is what it is. Hospitalizations are staying steady. Is, yes, is exactly. What, what the vaccines are working. Yeah. What you will hear, yeah. All right, well, um, that's it for another week. Thank you very, very much for your uh, questions that you've been sending in. As Kev suggested, well, you you, uh, you had to draw from the pile that were three days old, Kev. What's going on? Yeah. Mm. So we need more. More, 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 more. Always. Uh, thank you to this week's guest, Palace Schultz. Um, if you can share the episode on Twitter or on Facebook, you're a complete star. Let us know where you're sharing to, because we, we like to give those platforms a shout-out too. See you in the Facebook group for any questions you have about today's show. Play nice, of course, because our moderator, Stephen Peter, they're in, they're in there, just keeping an eye on stuff. Send your questions, your stories about your work, and anything of interest you think listeners will enjoy or learn from via the website address. Click at fujicast.co.uk. 
And um, there is a thought that the the website KF might change a little bit, isn't there? Yeah, I think it will at some point. We'll we'll flip it to Squarespace, but yeah. it's quite a relatively big job. So we'll start afresh and then start working backwards. But yes, at some point. So we'll start with sort of um, none of the the past, but we'll gradually sort of we'll add, add in. Yeah, yeah, add in. Yeah. So it will all all eventually make its way across. Good. Yeah. Music from Blue Wednesday, supporting music from the incredible Artlist.io, and we will see you next week. Bye, Kev! Bye-bye! The Cast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.